0: Everybody, welcome back to another episode of I've Got Questions. My name is William Hurst. This is a pre-modern podcast, and we have just had the Misty Mountain Fall Cup that was this past weekend, and we're going to start talking to all the faces to the top eight to get the experiences because it was a blast of a time. And with us today is Michael Phillips, who placed second in the Fall Cup, running Green White Enchantress. Michael, how are you doing today?
1: Pretty good. Thanks for
0: having me, Will. Oh man, it's a pleasure. Now, Michael, we have seen you at a number of Misty events, so you're a familiar face to a lot of us. Uh, first time, I believe you've cracked the top eight at Misty, but I also think you top sixteen LobsterCon, right?
1: That's that's right. Yeah, I got sixteenth uh, place exactly. So <laughs> that's was, awesome, uh, man.
0: That's yeah. awesome. So let's start from the beginning. Uh, we've we've had a couple conversations. Um, got to enjoy your company uh, before this last time when you were out for. Uh, the um midwest championships and you've mentioned that um you're you're also kind of another grinder of magic you're not just pre-modern you've done some like rcqing and things like that so how did you find pre-modern
1: so after covid after things started opening back up after covid uh one of my buddies invited me to a local legacy fnm at uh, his local store Mm -hmm. and after that event was over He asked me if I wanted to play middle school. And I was like, "Okay, what's middle school? I've never heard of this format. (laughs) So we sit down with him and a a couple buddies of his, and he hands me a survival madness deck. And I shuffle it up, and I'm playing up against a uh, blue-white landstill player. And I'm like, hey, I remember playing with these cards, you know, (laughs) and uh, Mm -hmm. I just had a blast. So after that was over, uh, I just started going online. I I wanted to find out more about the format, what kind of decks were involved, where I could find maybe some uh, other players or some tournaments or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't really come up with a whole lot. um, But while searching for that, I found Premodern. And okay. what I discovered about Premodern was that it was a very, very similar format, but it was a different ban list and it didn't have, it had the current rules versus middle school that had you know old rules like uh, mm-hmm. damage on the stack or whatever. Yeah. And uh, then I started to dig deeper and I found the Facebook group, the online mm-hmm. monthly tournaments. Uh, I started learning that people around the world were playing this. I was like, I could play somebody, you know, across the ocean in a tournament. Mm I I was like, that was pretty cool. So, awesome, um, yeah. So that's, that's pretty much where I discovered pre-modern was digging around for middle school stuff.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And, where I know you from is you are really kind of, at least in my mind, associated with uh, the Minnesota, the Aaron Dicks kind of crew. Yourself and one of your uh, compatriots, I'm blanking on his first name, also top eight at this event. He was playing Red Ponza. Sean. Uh, can you remind me, Sean, Sean also did. Shout out to Sean as well. Uh, Aaron couldn't make this one, but that's where I kind of know you guys from and have seen you guys from. How did you kind of hook up with that group? Because I know when we have talked, you said you kind of, you know, your job takes you to a lot of interesting places and you kind of get to do some cool things. How did you end up kind of rolling with that Minnesota crew a little bit?
1: Yeah, so my my job had uh, placed me in Fargo, North Dakota. Um, and I was just on Facebook in the Premodern group and Aaron Dix had posted uh, an invite to people to play Premodern at his local store. And when mm-hmm. I Googled the store, I was like, Oh, it's only a couple hours away, you know, it'd be an easy drive. I get to play pre-modern in person with, um, you know, on paper, which, which is, is really nice and, and, <laughs> and in front of people instead of, you know, in front of a webcam. And uh, so I went down there and I didn't really know anybody or anything like that. And uh, that group of guys was the most welcoming people I had ever met in a magic community. And we even um, after the event was over, we went to a uh, local bar um, down the street and uh, where we did a lot of uh, talking about magic and uh, Mm -hmm. drinking beer or whatnot. But um, (laughs) uh, uh, Mark Lundy and and, and Aaron Dixon, a few of the other guys from that store, uh, we were just talking about LobsterCon coming up and we're talking about. Um, my deck and things like that. And somebody suggested, well, why don't we take your deck and, and, and spread it out? Because I had mentioned something about, um, you know, sideboarding with the deck was was uh, really, really tough. Mm-hmm. And uh, we sat there for probably a good hour, at least. And we talked about um, sideboard mapping. And we we had this big lengthy discussion about what cards were, you know, what, what matchups we're looking at, uh, mm-hmm. what, you know, and, and what cards were, um, you know, overwhelm or underwhelming in, in any particular matchup. And they, they started talking about sideboard mapping, which is not something I really had previously done with decks. It's just like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay, here's my main deck. Here's my sideboard off I go. Right. Yep. I'll figure it out. But They opened, uh, that conversation opened me up to a whole new way of thinking about how to prepare a deck for a tournament and also how to sideboard uh, Mm -hmm. during the tournament. And um, I I left there thinking, wow, like these guys just basically, they don't know who I am. They've never met me before, but they brought me in and they welcomed me and they gave me a lot of really good advice. And I just thought that was so nice of them. Mm-hmm. that I, I, I really couldn't believe it, honestly. I was just like, I want to see these guys again. I want to hang out with these guys again. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, you know, through them, I found out about the Misty Mountain Tournament. I was still around the area, so it wasn't too bad of a trip to get there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was the big driving force of what uh, got me to go to the, the Misty Mountain
0: for the first time. That's awesome. Well, it was always a pleasure to have you. So let's, let's kind of jump into our deck. You, uh, for this event, were on um, Green White Enchantress. Uh, for those not familiar, it's a deck that revolves around, obviously, enchantments, as the name it describes, but has four Argothian enchantresses, four enchantresses present. So you have a draw engine, and it will eventually kill with uh, the card Words of War to get there. Opalescence, um, locking people out with uh, Seal of Cleansing, or not Seal of Cleansings. Um, sterling groves going to get um south air confinements going to get worship etc so how long have you been on Enchantress? because it is a strategy we see from time to time but it's not the biggest thing we've seen as of late and so what made you jump onto this deck how long have you been onto it and um you just your general impressions of the deck itself
1: well, I I started my when I first got into enchantress it was a legacy deck. Um mm-hmm. I, I had uh seen it on coverage and I thought well that deck is really cool. So I put it together and that was back I don't know what year it was, but that was when um the rest in peace helm of obedience combo was like the main you know finisher in the deck. Mm-hmm. And after a lot of change in legacy um the deck didn't really function anymore it it wasn't good enough there's too much disruption so all those cards basically went into a box and Mm -hmm. when i discovered pre-modern i started looking through uh different decks and everything and i came across enchantress i was like i have most of the stuff sitting in a box (laughs) i get to play with these cards again that's awesome so awesome yeah so i started i started with the deck when i first got into pre-modern um I initially built five different decks and that was, that was one of them. And um, so I started playing the deck a few times in the webcam monthlies. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't do too well with it um, initially. And uh, what I started to figure out with the deck was I have a lot of ways to, I I don't have a lot of ways to not die. Right. I just have ramp, 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 ramp. Here's a couple of win conditions and it just didn't feel good enough. So I started paying really, really close attention to uh, results that were getting posted on TC decks. I started to see some of the same names, you know, pop up over and over again. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially when um, the decks went to MTG Top 8, um, that helped, you know, go through the different lists and see like what cards people were playing, what cards were, um, you know, moving in and out of the deck. And um, Mm -hmm. through that... Um, I discovered uh, the Parallax Wave combo because I never played Opal Essence before. I was always on mm-hmm. Sacred Mesa and uh, and uh, Words of War. But when I started preparing for Lobster Con, I thought, "Oh man, that'd be so much fun to play Enchantress." So I I knew that Parfait was the big boogeyman. So mm-hmm. I decided to start with a just a straight green white build with no splashing of of different colors or anything like that. And I was mm-hmm. like, I just want as much Artifact Enchantment removal as I can, as I can fit into the deck. I want to be yeah. able to beat Parfait. Um, so this left me with uh, the idea that a straight green light build still has the uh, potential to draw out uh, mm-hmm. to deck itself. And I didn't want that to happen. And I really, really liked Words of War. It's just a classic card, and it does give you the ability to win the, win the game on the spot. Um, mm-hmm. if necessary. And yeah. uh, not to mention that it's just another way to win the game outside of combat, which I really, really liked about it.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you played this um, formally at um, the state ch- or the uh, championships for the pre-modern Midwest championships. Um, wasn't quite as successful there. So what changes did you make uh, from that list to kind of this list?
1: Uh, the the difference in the two decks wasn't too ma- there weren't too many changes. Mostly, what I've been uh, messing with the deck is the mana base um, mm-hmm. because because you're splashing words of war, you need some way to cast it. Um, right. Either and, and there's two main ways that people have found um, to 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 cast wor- uh, words of war, and that's either to play lotus petal or fertile ground, and mm-hmm. I. Don't particularly like either one of those cards because I feel like when you when you break down the Enchanter stack, there's not a lot of flexibility in the way that it's built right now, mm-hmm. um, and some of the different cards and effects that people were shaving to fit in these other cards didn't feel right to me. So I was like, well, right. I want my mana base to be able to cast a Words of War if necessary. Um, mm-hmm. So. I started playing around with the idea of having a mountain in the deck and uh, I played that a few times and uh, I didn't like the mountain so much because you've already got Sarah sanctum so you might have a completely functional hand with um, mountain and Sarah sanctum and it's like well I got to throw this back because you know Mm -hmm. these these cards don't cast anything so this time around um, going into the last misty mountain I cut the mountain And uh, I decided um to add wooded foothills just as Mm -hmm. I wanted to keep my mana count high, but I also wanted to be able to you know make sure I had that turn one forest for uh -hmm. you know wild growth or an exploration or something. Um, and I thought I might miss it, (laughs) I thought there might be a time (laughs) or two where I was just like, oh, I I really really wish that I had this mountain, but that that never happened. and so, in order to cast the words of war, I forgot to mention this: is um, w- I've added City of Brass as mm-hmm. basically my brush land, right? My my mm-hmm. pain land of choice is City of Brass because doing that also gives me the opportunity to play Engineer Plague out of my board. And right. since playing LobsterCon, like going into LobsterCon, I was like, I really, really want Engineer Plague because I'm expecting Elves and Goblins, and that's just mm-hmm. a really good card against them. And Since coming away from LobsterCon, I haven't wanted to go away from Engineer Plague yet. So Mm. the City of Brasses not only help you cast the Words of War, um, but it also allows you to cast the Engineer Plague out of your sideboard. And it doesn't force you to play things like Lotus Petal or Fertile Ground, which Mm -hmm. are basically do-nothing cards. Because I feel like most every card in the deck needs to have a purpose whether Mm -hmm. it's i don't die whether it's stopping uh, a card that your opponent might have that interacts with you or whether it's just finding your combo pieces and putting them together
0: gotcha so you're definitely looking to less filler and more action you wanted something distinctly to be being done by the cards instead of cards you draw late that uh, just don't function as well. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. So kind of going through the day, we're going to kind of go through your matches and we have MTG melee up, which, or melee or whatever they call it, which is nice because it lets me have all the information in front of me. Um, so it looks like round one, you played against Landstill. How was that matchup for you in Enchantress? looks like you went
1: 2-1. That matchup has felt favorable a lot of the times, um, especially game ones. Um, They have a lot of cards that just don't do that much against you. um, And Landstill is not a deck that typically wins quickly. So Mm -hmm. if you can get through some of their early counter magic, um, then, you know, the game is going to go long, which, you know, is is a huge point in your favor. Um, Mm -hmm. And... But after sideboarding, it gets a lot tougher because they bring in nulls, they have extra disenchants, and, and, and more, more cards that, that stop you from ever getting the combo together. Um, mm-hmm. My record against it's been pretty positive, um, but it's definitely, I mean, he stole a game from me um, with, uh, I think it was just with uh, Medley Mages and uh, 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 Mr. Factory Beatdowns. So that's another card that has made the, the matchup a little bit tougher is now that Landstill is pretty much always playing Medley Mage on their sideboard. Where before it was it seemed like it was hit or miss. Um, mm-hmm. so <laughs> early Medley Mages on your enchantress pieces can just be game over, especially if they have two of them and it's just clocking you for yeah. four turn while you're just trying to figure out, you know, how do I get out of this.
0: You don't got to tell me twice about that feeling. I get it. I get it.
1: it. My opponent played really, really well. I, he, he had just like the stone cold uh, stoic expression on his face. The entire, I could not get a read on this guy uh, Mm -hmm. at all. I could not tell if his hand was (laughs) strong or not. So, um, but I've noticed, you know, a lot of blue decks popping up in, in, you know, in, in popularity. So, I was really, really happy to have the uh, City of Solitude in the main deck because that gives me a huge advantage in game
0: one. Agreed. Agreed. City of Solitude, a great card. So we picked up the win there. We moved into round two. You got the the, the pleasure of playing uh, Caleb Durward in round two. Uh, Caleb was on kind of an Abzan, so a green, white, black control deck uh, featuring like Exalted Angels, Decrees of Justice. Um, Looks like you were able to pick up that win going two and one. Um, how did that matchup feel, especially with a deck um that has pernicious deed? Obviously, Replenish has to be playing an exceedingly greater role in that matchup, right?
1: Absolutely. So Pernicious Deed is one of the main banes of Enchantress's existence because uh, you know, the entire just wiping your entire board and, and resetting you back to nothing is mm-hmm. just really, really hard to recover from. Um nope. and not to mention, they have four of them. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, the, the thing that I found really interesting about Caleb's stack was he was playing Rampant Growth. So he's able to get a lot more lands out faster, which means he okay. can Pernicious need for a lot more if need be. Got and um, so Replenish is the most important card in that matchup just because, you know, once they've wiped your board, you need to be able to, you know, put it all back into play. Um, I remember in one of the sideboarded games, um, I put an aura silence out, uh, and it just taxed his mana enough before I was able to get uh, karmic justice on the board, mm-hmm. which is probably the single most important enchantment against any pernicious D deck, because it essentially, it's, it's, it essentially dares your opponent to either, if you wipe my board, you're going to lose every permanent you have. Um, right so it's basically uh your your answer to pernicious deed um Mm -hmm. is the replenish and the karmic justice and uh i i I tutor up a, a karmic justice and put it in play and while i was doing so caleb uh was he pulled out his phone and he was already reporting the match he's just like, <laughs> he's it's like, like no, i didn't no. he said i didn't want to stop you but you looked like you were having fun but i've already reported <laughs> the match i was like okay yeah, <laughs> thanks for that yeah. Yeah, he was it. uh hey, he's, a great guy yeah he was really good really really cool guy yeah awesome. as so go oh. ahead well, that's actually the second time I played him in a, in a, in a big tournament. There was a, years ago, I played in a legacy event. I was playing Jund, mm-hmm. and it was back when uh, Abrupt Decay and Deathrite Shaman got printed, and we got paired up oh. in an early round. And <laughs> he was playing elves, and I just punishing fire down every, every creature he had. So mm-hmm. it was uh, really cool to play him again. He's a really, really good player, and he's a really, really nice guy.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So we're starting off strong at a 2-0. You're up next against um, Hansen, or Schaefer Hansen. Uh, He was on a kind of a gruel Survival Welder deck. Um, Really interesting deck. Also made top 8. Looks like you guys took that to a draw, going to 3 games. 1-win, 1-win, and then uh, not finishing it up. Uh, How was that match like?
1: That matchup was really interesting because I had absolutely no idea what he was doing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that was a common story with uh from what i've heard uh from the people he was playing
1: yeah so the first game he stole the first game from me because he got uh, tangle wire down which is another card that's really really good against my deck um mm-hmm. and he ended up putting together this loop of goblin welder and uh and tangle wires mm-hmm. and he basically locked me out from ever playing the game so going into game two, I'm trying to figure out, okay, he's got survival, he's got uh, you know, the, the goblins, he has uh, you know, the tangle wire. So it was a really, really tough matchup to sideboard for, because mm-hmm. I needed to be able to deal with his creatures, but I also needed to deal with his graveyard, I needed to deal with the fact that he's a survival deck, and then he mm-hmm. could tangle wire me out of the game. So I felt like um, sideboarding for that kind of matchup was a really, really tough challenge. Um, mm-hmm. we did go to time. Um, I don't remember what the board state looked like at the end on the final turn, but we were, I think I was really close to turning the corner or I had just turned the corner to a point I was... where I, if the game continued, I, I believe I would have won that match.
0: Yeah, no, I was hovering over your shoulder. I remember that one. Um, as it was one of the last rounds, and I believe you guys went to turn it at one point during turns, you laid a karmic justice and I think he blew it up or he did something to blow a lot of stuff up. I believe so. I believe that's what happened. So um, it did look like to my memory that if that were to continue, um, that would have been the case. Karmic justice doesn't look like a card uh, that uh, Shaper was really liking to see. Um So we kind of went, we went 201. So we're still looking good. We're still looking great. Moving into the next ground. You played against, um, Nathan Marhefke, he is a previous winner at Misty Mountain. A couple top eights under his belt as well. He was playing Blue-White Dreadnought. Um, looks like you were able to get this 2-0, so you were able to fight through the Meddling Mages. How did that matchup go?
1: It went very well. Um, much better than I expected it to be, because I traditionally have not done very well against any version of Stifle Knot. It, It's mm-hmm. It can be really, really tough to interact with um, all their counter-magic. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I was not really happy to see that matchup. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to mention, I, I, it was it was a camera match. So I was just like, oh, okay, here we go. I finally got a camera match. This is going to be so cool. But now I'm up against blue-white Stifledod. They're probably going to lose this <laughs> game. And, um, but I found my City of Solitude really early. And I was able to push that through. On the turn after he attacked really low, and I was—I um, can't remember if he countered it or no, no, no. What he did was I put the City of Solitude into play, and then he had uh, one mana left open. He cycles out his Dreadnought with uh, Vision Charm, uh, okay. and I had enough mana to also play a Seal of uh, the Seal of Cleansing. So uh, there I felt really, really good. I was like, okay, he's going to phase his creature back in. I'm going to take 12 and then I'll kill his Dreadnought, and then we'll figure out what happens from there. I've got a City of Solitude Mm -hmm. in play, which means now I've basically turned off the whole counter magic portion of his deck, which is really, Mm -hmm. really, really good for me. Um, I did not expect to win that matchup, but (laughs) it did go very, very well. Um, So I was really happy with that one. I felt like I dodged a big bullet there.
0: (laughs) Awesome. So we are we're at three Oh and one. We're looking pretty up next round five. You're against Ray Smith. Ray was on the rock. Um, You guys took this to three games and um, this time the pernicious deed and company looks like they had your number. Uh, Do you have any recollections about uh, that matchup?
1: Yeah. So uh, one game was he natural ordered for verdant force so I was like, okay, cool. He's on the natural order version. I hadn't actually played against that version before. So it's really, really cool to see that in action. Um, then one of the sideboarded games, he makes a stone cold read on my hand. Uh, he 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 shows a, 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 bl- um, a blind cabal therapy and he names Enchantress's Presence, which was my only Enchantress effect that I had in my hand. Oh. Uh, so it was a, it was a perfect blind call um then he natural ordered um and he ended up getting Multani. and my hand was low at that point um he only had a couple of cards in hand i was like okay i I think i can find a way out of this um but every turn the Multani grew bigger and bigger and bigger and i just i end up drawing land 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 (laughs) so Mm -hmm. where i really really needed to find some way to protect my life total or find like a solitary confinement or worship or Mm -hmm. something that would you know help me not lose basically um he ended up with uh just growing the multani and i i couldn't kill i had source of plowsers in my hand i couldn't touch it it was just the perfect card uh Mm -hmm. to get against me well, so he played, he played that really, really well. I was, I was Ray. really impressed.
0: Ray's a great guy. Also top eight at the event. So that's awesome to see. Uh, so we go into round number six, you are three, one and one. And uh, well, we got paired together. I was paired um, as the only four, or as the only, what was it? The only, only four, one who could not draw in. So we were paired against each other. I was on stasis. And uh, well, you were pretty nervous about the matchup. You did not think it was going to go well. Um, what, what were your uh, thoughts about the matchup as we played? It's on camera. Uh, tell them about it.
1: So going into the matchup, you're right. I was not excited to play. I mean, I was excited to play you, but mm-hmm. you know, knowing that you were on stasis was, I, I knew I was gonna it was going to be in for a tough time. Um, the thing about stasis is. If you can catch me on a turn where I've, you know, maybe played a bunch of enchantments or something, or I've, I've tapped really low, it's really, really hard for me to recover from because um, you essentially will never give me another untapped phase. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: And after, you know, after that, you're, the game is going to draw out for a whole bunch of turns, uh, which mm-hmm. means basically you're just going to have counterspell after counterspell after counterspell in your hand. So on the turn where I finally find something like a seal of cleansing or some way to try and get out from underneath the stasis it becomes really really difficult to um, to to punch something through your counter magic so um luckily I was able to get uh, again city of solitude was kind of an mvp card of this uh of this tournament um, I was able to get the the city of solitude down. I was able to get some enchantment re- uh, artifact and enchantment removal onto the mm-hmm. board and I knew f- pretty much from there that I would be okay as long as as long as the city was still able to stay in play because
0: mm-hmm.
1: if you did play a stasis then you know I would have a way out basically Absolutely.
0: so and you- and you played it very well. Um, you had all the pieces you needed. Um, almost right off the bat. Um, could I, I probably could have kept better hands, but you did it. Um, so you move on to the top eight, which is awesome. Um, and and the top eight, your first matchup was with. Um, if I can pull you up, was with uh, John Donovan, also on a welder survival deck. Um, did that matchup kind of play out more um to your benefit now that you had played it against it once and also john's deck is a little less different than um schaefer's was is a little more stock i suppose
1: i was quite a bit more comfortable going into that matchup after playing it once in the swiss um mm-hmm. i didn't know exactly how his deck would be different Um, but I, I knew that the main engine cards were, were still going to be the same. Um, the, the, the only significant thing I really remember is I ended up finding a ground seal in, uh, in one of our sideboarded games. Mm -hmm. Um, and that car just completely shuts down his goblin welder. Mm -hmm. And, you know, by doing that, it made it very, very difficult for him to, uh, to do much of anything, he had a survival in play, but I think I already had um, some protection with Sterling Grove, um, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And um, you know, once his welders were shut down, he never saw his his mana taxing cards like it never saw Tangle Wire um, mm-hmm. or anything like that. So the fact that his draws didn't really prevent me from getting my enchantresses into play and and starting to draw a bunch Mm -hmm. of cards it um, was really in my favor at that point just because the cards that he needed to see i don't i don't think he he ever saw
0: gotcha that makes sense uh so we're pushing on we're pushing into the semis in which you are up against um peter mcgrain is on madness survival madness this one, from what I watched of it, and from what I saw, kind of looking back at coverage, was a hell of a matchup. Take take us through this matchup.
1: <laughs> so, game one, uh, I you know before before we sat down, you know they they didn't tell us, give us deck lists or anything, but they did, you know, inform us that your opponents on this deck and 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 so forth. So, I knew that he was on Survival Madness, and I looked at my opening hand in game one, and I was like, okay, well, I think I can, I think this will be okay i i can interact with an early survival um it has no enchantress pieces in it or anything like that but mm-hmm. i think i could maybe make this work he ends up going like creature 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 uh he dazes my enchantress's presence and then he dazed something else i forgot what it was now off the top of my head but i mean he basically went creature days creature days creature and my hand was not really equipped to deal with that he never even played a survival and i was just Mm -hmm. like okay going into game two um i kept a much more um consistent hand of uh, Mm -hmm. had uh, enchantresses in it and and things like that so i was like okay well um it's i've never played against a survival madness version before Mm -hmm. but i have my own um madness deck at home and there have been times that i've just sat at the kitchen table and i've played madness versus enchantress and um, i felt like the matchup was pretty well in my favor mm-hmm. because they don't have a lot of removal and a lot of uh, ways to interact um, in, in ways that are uh, devastating um, you know my deck has a lot of redundancy and if i can get you know, some card advantage going, it's hard for them to keep up. Um, and right. then I've got a lot of ways to deal with creatures, especially after cyborg. I mean, I've, I'm bringing a source of plowshares. I've got yeah. parallax wave and things like that, um, you know, on top of worship and solitary confinement. So I figure as long as I can make sure I just don't die to the creatures, I should be okay. Um, <laughs> there was a big blunder on my part uh, during the... I think the second game um, mm-hmm. where I, I tried to get too cute with uh, Words of War. So I had a Words of War in play. And uh so during my upkeep, I had three elephant grasses that were all about to go to the graveyard. So I'm like, okay, I'll float a bunch of mana um, before my elephant grasses die with Sarah Sanctum. I'll put a whole bunch of activations into Words of War. And then I'm, I'm counting up, you see my hands on camera, I'm like counting up how many points of damage I have to do, how many enchantments I have to play in order to kill him, and then I looked at my hand after that, and I realized I only had one enchantment in my hand, <laughs> so so I had all these activations, I wasn't allowed to draw any extra cards or anything like that, but I I realized I didn't have, I had floated 15 activations into the uh, Words of War, so i i had to i had to really try and figure out like what am i going to do to recover from this you know because i was just like well that was stupid um Mm -hmm. but luckily words of war will um kill their creatures so i was able to take down his whole team with uh the words of war activations and the source of plowshares in my hand um (laughs) and uh that's when he pulled out um what is the the card called it's not tranquil domain it's um
0: Oh, is it Reverend Silence? Reverend
1: Silence, which is not a card yeah. I was expecting him to play at all. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that card was coming, but luckily, luckily, I had the replenish to go with it. And and I think that was one of my favorite moments in the entire tournament. Was <laughs> I he he Reverend silenced. I untap. I play the replenish, and he's holding a pen in his hand. He just drops the pen on the table, in in, in you know. And um, I just thought that was so funny. Um, and then in game. two, three uh i got to a point where even if he had the reverent silence i had two replenishes in my hand so i was like mm-hmm. well he can pretty much do whatever he wants um and then once if he does go for the reverent silence i'll just play replenish and mm-hmm. um that's when he extended his his hand was when i cast the replenish nice
0: well so we took down the semifinals in a great match uh, so we headed on to the finals against Ricky Thorson. He was on a green-white uh and well not even terragen, but like Terra Prison deck with oaths. Um how did that matchup go?
1: Really badly. <laughs>
0: okay, okay. <laughs> what made it so bad?
1: So first off, I had absolutely no idea what Ricky was doing. Um I'd never seen that deck before. Um I learned later on in the day that it was a very popular deck on magic online mm-hmm. um and i thought it was a really good deck his deck was very well equipped to to, to interfere with what i was trying to do he had rashad and ports he had mana acceleration with mox diamond into um Uh, Not Thorn of Amethyst, uh, Sphere of Resistance, Resistance. which is a really, really good card against my deck because it basically Mm -hmm. keeps me from being able to play multiple spells in one turn. And sometimes it's enough to even keep me from playing a single card in one turn. You know, some Mm -hmm. of my spells are, you know, three mana, four mana, and you add an extra mana on top of that. And, you know, it, it can be really hard to put anything into play. On top of that, he was playing four copies or eight copies of a land destruction spell, which (laughs) makes having uh, enchantments on your lands really, really bad. (laughs) So, I I mean, everything that he did was basically a way to prevent me from playing the game. And Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the best ways to attack Enchantress is to attack its mana development and its mana base Um, because if i can never get off the ground then that means like i I can't get my draw engine online i can't go Mm -hmm. find the cards they need to you know i can't float a bunch of mana and do ridiculous things i basically Mm -hmm. just sit there dirtle and do nothing Um, so we we ended up taking it to three games Um, i won game one um, but game two and game three, he just he had multiple spheres, he had multiple Rashad and ports, mm-hmm. and um, that was he played really, really tightly and really, really well. Um, if I could go back and do it again, I think what I would have done is board out my wild gross, which is not something I typically think of or really, really try to do a lot, but. Mm-hmm getting a land with a wild growth on it blown up by a, a, what was it, a winter's grass, I think um, <laughs> was just really, really devastating. And um, yeah. after the match was over, you know, I congratulated him and everything. Um, and he was like, did you bring in city of solitude against me? And I was like, no, I didn't see any islands from you. So he's like, you know, that would turn off my Rashad ports, right? Like it would stop me from being able to Rashad port you and your upkeep. And I was like, Oh my god, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's has, City of Solitude is a great card. So, that's one of the things I absolutely love about this deck. It's like you know, I've played it a lot and I've been playing it for a while, but there's still many functions of some of these cards that are just you know, I'm still learning things about the deck. You know, I'm still learning, like the you know, you think typically think of City of Solitude, for example, as a card that turns off their counter as well guess what it also turns off their Rashadden ports and I was like well yeah that might have been a game changer so
0: it very well definitely could have been but uh that's the great thing about pre with a lot of decks is you get to play you get to learn new things new interactions and from what I can tell you're making great strides well with enchanters I assume you're going to keep up with the deck it seems like it's right up your alley Um, So if you were to change anything about the build of the deck going into another uh, in-person tournament, are there any changes that come to the top of your head that you would think about making?
1: Yeah, so one of the things I've been trying to figure out is uh, cards like Miriam's Guile and Sylvan Library have Mm -hmm. felt, in a lot of situations, have felt very underwhelming. Um, I have them in there for in order to have some card filtering because you know Mm -hmm. you don't always open a hand with you know turn two enchantress turn three enchantress or anything like that not to mention Mm -hmm. that you know your opponent could have multiple ways to destroy the first one or you know Mm -hmm. make you sack a creature or whatever and uh so sometimes it's really nice to have ways to kind of filter through your deck and find the stuff that you're looking for Um, and have Mm -hmm. some amount of deck manipulation because once you've gone off, it's not really that needed that you need something like to look at the top three cards of your library or anything like that. But in those early turns, it can be really, really important, but there's multiple ways you could go about doing it. You could play Mary's Guile and or Sylvan libraries. You could play enlightened tutors. You could play worldly tutors to find your uh, enchantresses faster. And, Mm -hmm. um, I'm still messing around with some of those slots, um, trying to figure out, you know, in the hands, in the times that you mulligan and you don't have, you know, an enchantress in hand, if you, Mm -hmm. you know, get your first one killed or something like that, like, how are you going to recover? How are you going to get your engine online? And I'm not really sure what the best way to do that is. Um, Mm -hmm. but I've been really happy with Mary's Guile, um, as far as. Uh, Of the three options that I've been considering I haven't tried all the different tutors yet but I think there's um, Some some spots to mess around with that
0: Awesome. Awesome. So uh, To wrap it up, you did an awesome job. It was a pleasure to see you make it as far as you did Um, It was a pleasure definitely to have you up here again and seeing you play I'm assuming we'll see you for the next ones whenever they happen, but before we let you go for the day uh we always have three questions here kind of sent them to you before so we're gonna start with the first one in your opinion what is the most overrated card in pre-mod
1: this is a tough one but i i think i have to go with tormod script i'm never happy to have that card in my sideboard i always feel like if i don't put this in my sideboard uh then i'm gonna run into something where i wish i had it now granted Mm -hmm. in certain matchups is a card that you're absolutely happy to have. But so yeah. many times that I've put Tormod Script in the sideboard, I'm just like, I don't need this card. I don't want this card. I you know, feel like I wasted two sideboard slots. I think yeah. it's still important to have graveyard interaction. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that um, the way that decks are operating these days, that Phyrexian Furnace is just strictly better. Um, A lot of the time, Um, there's not many games where I've played, where I've brought in a Tormat script and wiped out their graveyard and been like, oh, look, the game's over because I got rid of your graveyard (laughs) or anything. But it's a really good card against me. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) tech playing replenish. There have been times when I've been uh, pernicious deeded, wiped my whole board, um, and then the uh, activated Tormod's crypt right afterwards and just, I, I lost my, my, you know, my ability to replenish. So it yeah. is, I think it's still a card that you want to consider. I'm not saying it's, you know, terrible or anything, but it's just, I'm never happy to play it. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so what is the most underrated card in pre modern in your opinion?
1: So I think that a, um, a card called Latin M's Legacy has a lot of potential in this format. Um, I like that. So I've been playing, I, I also play a lot of uh, Blue-White Land still. And mm-hmm. um, one of the cards in that deck I've never really been happy with is Factor Fiction. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought, well, we don't get Brainstorm in this format. Um, but is there anything that's like it? So I, I came across Latin M's Legacy. Mm-hmm. and i started messing around with it and what i found was that it was a really really it felt like a really good card in landstill, because you'll open these hands you'll have like planes factory i'm, I'm sorry uh, uh like island factory uh dust bowl or something like that and you're like well mm-hmm. i've got counterspell in my hand or i need to find white mana for sorts of postures or whatever But I have a Decree of Justice in my opening hand. Like, I'm never casting this card anytime soon, right? So, being able to go at the end of your opponent's turn, tap two mana, shuffle in a card that you don't plan on casting till the late game, and then getting three draws on your your next turn to find another colored mana source or something like that felt really, really good. Um, I don't think it like breaks the deck open or anything like that, but... I think that there's a lot of potential in that card. I don't know if land still is necessarily the best shell for it, or if it's Mm -hmm. even that it's better than some of the other options that are available in the format. But I was really, really impressed with the card. um, And I'd like to see more come of it because I think that a, so to speak, a reverse brainstorm Mm
0: -hmm. is
1: potentially really good in just smoothing a lot of your early draws.
0: Like it. I like it. All right. So what is a card that you think needs to be broken in pre-modern? <laughs>
1: so so I have a story on this one. Um sure. back in extended days, um someone named uh Jonathan I don't want to mess his name up. Um I think it's Medina. Jonathan Medina. Mm. Uh, we get paired up against each other. We're both playing a blue-white uh, control deck based around mm-hmm. Thopter Foundry and uh, Sword of the Mink. Yeah. But his deck was slightly different than mine, where his had an alternative win condition um, with Polymorph and Iona, Shield of Ameria. And <laughs> so he could make a token creature with his uh, Thopter Foundry, but he also played two copies of Mutavolt in his mana base, where he could... Um, polymorph a land or a token into a big creature and just end the game quickly and yeah. that has stuck with me all of these years i always thought it was just like the coolest thing and it only took up like three slots in his deck so it didn't you know it wasn't like his whole deck was built around this polymorph card and mm-hmm. i so one of the other decks i play a lot is is blue light landstill, and it's like i have a lot of trouble winning with blue light landstill, um either because uh, you don't make enough one ones. The game goes too long, or there's your opponent's able to put stuff in play that's just like there's no way I'm going to get there with a two two factory. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like the I really like the idea of somebody figuring out what to do with the card polymorph. So like when your factories aren't good enough or your fairy conclave isn't good enough anymore, that you could just mm-hmm. sack one of them off with polymorph and then go find a big dumb creature like I don't know chroma or iridescent angel or phantom neshoba or you know I think there's a lot of options and Mm -hmm. it was kind of inspired not only by that extended story but I've started to notice like uh, the rock playing natural order a lot elves Mm -hmm. playing natural order a lot and I'm just like okay well you know if if four mana to go find a creature in your deck and put it directly into play is good enough for them well, maybe it's good enough for blue to do that, too. Um, <laughs> so I'd really like to figure out something to do with the card polymorph. And okay. Maybe by sacking off a factory or a fairy conclave or something and putting a, just a big, dumb creature in a play it would be a I lot like of fun. I
0: like, I like it a lot. All right, Michael. Well... Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, congratulations again on the top eight finish here at Misty Mountain Games. We look forward to seeing you the next time out, seeing the whole crew. Before you go, any other uh, last thoughts you'd like to leave the audience with?
1: I just want to say thanks for having me. I I, uh, I really, really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun uh, here with you today. And, you know, I, I, I have a lot of fun going to the Misty Mountain tournaments. And I love what, you know, BK and Michael Hoyper are doing with the coverage and, you know, mm-hmm. with – the organizing of events and I think it's really, really cool to uh go out and play for charity. I think that's uh yeah. something you guys have put together, which I thought I I, I really, really respect that. Um absolutely. and so I mean I just look forward to playing some more pre modern. I, I absolutely love this format. It's the <laughs> most fun I've had playing Magic in a really, really long time. And uh, you know, it's it's uh it's definitely worth the travels. Um that's awesome. for sure. So
0: Awesome. Well, Michael, again, thank you for being with us. Everybody, um, it was a pleasure to speak with you today, with Michael today. Um, Plenty of tournaments coming up, Euros coming up probably by the time this episode goes out. If you're looking for Premodern, you can find it anywhere. Just Google Premodern and you will find all the resources you need. Michael, one last time, thank you again for being with us. I have been William Hurst. This is the Pre or I've Got Questions podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. Take care, everybody.